Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. Today I have with me Jason Illion, Managing Director at Coke Disruptive Technologies in Wichita, Kansas. Jason, uh, what is Coke Disruptive? Yeah, it's a great question. So probably step back a little bit and tell you, you know, who's Coke to start with, right? So a lot of perceived notions of what Coke is, but it's always good to hear from the horse's mouth, right? Coke's one of the largest privately held companies in the world. Um, we're in 60 countries and with 130,000 employees across various industries. So started as an oil and gas company, but since then it's grown into a number of different areas. So if you use Dixie Cups, that's Coke. If you have some clothing on, there's fabric in there that probably come from a Coke company. If you're walking around your house, the outside of the house could be from Georgia Pacific building products or any of those things. So that's the beginning of Coke. But Coke was really built on entrepreneurship. And so a lot of these companies from Charles Coke's perspective has continued to encourage and stimulate entrepreneurship and growth of companies all not only within Coke, but all throughout the US. And so from that, as we've continued to grow, how do we focus on investing and spurring on the next generation of companies? And that's how KDT, Coke Disruptive Technology, was born. We are a unique and flexible capital partner, so kind of the venture and growth arm of Coke Industries. So we have the opportunity to look at everything from the next generation artificial intelligence and machine learning to ag tech, to real estate tech, to medical technology. So. As an example, in one of our first investments, we invested in a company called Inside Tech. It is a non-invasive focused ultrasound company based out of Israel, and it helps people with Parkinson's and essential tremors. So if you've ever seen somebody with lots of shakes, it completely changes how they live their lives, right? They can't pick up a cup, they can't write. So what Inside Tech does is you lay, lay in an MRI machine with a special helmet, and they use a thousand ultrasound waves to ablate or burn the part of the brain non-evasively that deal with it. So two hours later, somebody will stand up and their shakes are gone permanently. Interesting. So just as a coincidence, um, I was at the Milken Global Institute conference year before last, so it would have been 2017, and I saw that demonstrated and explained. Yeah, the Milken Institute and some of those are big supporters and partners of well, Coke in a number of ways. And that helmet has a whole bunch of ultrasonic transducers mm -hmm. and ultrasonic transducers have piezoelectric material that takes you know electricity and turns into a like a vibration a mm -hmm. sound wave that goes in and so by having all these different transducers at different points it creates like heat at the focal point like only at the focal point correct and so you don't have to cut into the brain to get to the yeah problem. Well, and you're, you're hitting right on the disruptive and transformative nature, right? So, you know, there was a, a, a Matt Damon movie called Elysium where somebody sits in kind of what looks like an MRI thing and this magic arm waves over the top and it says, like, leukemia cured. Well, the reality is, is could we do that, right? Could we use things like ultrasound and other technologies to fight cancers? You know, the blood has the blood-brain barrier, which is there to, you know, stop a lot of, negative things that can come into the brain, but could we use it to open up the brain to allow medicines to be used better? 
There's all sorts of things we could do if we leverage technology. And that's part of KDT's efforts to, is to invest in those companies, but not only just invest, but come alongside them as Coke. And it's a concept we call Coke Labs. It's our framework of saying, how do we bring all of Coke's capabilities across all of our companies to bear with these entrepreneurs? So besides the check, how can we really help you pour rocket fuel on your company? So in some ways, you have a big advantage over the typical venture capital firm because you have such a diversified company, you can leverage those to increase the probability of favorable outcomes on anything. Really. Right. And, and that's kind of how we, we think about it is, what's our comparative advantage? How are we differentiated? Well, we can bring 130,000 subject matter experts to bear and help you grow your company. And you know, it's not just about growing a specific company, it's about how do we benefit society by bringing something at a lower cost that will allow them to free up to do what they're created to do. You know, I would think one challenge would be sourcing the companies. I mean, there's so many companies starting up or even that are growth. If you just look at growth companies that are out there, right? right. There's so many of them. How do you bring that through a, a sieve to get it to a small set? Yeah, you're hitting on one of the big challenges, right? Is how do you take you know, a million great entrepreneurs out there, narrow it down to the 20, 30, 50, 100, whatever the number is that you can work with. We look at it through a filter of, are they principled entrepreneurs, right? So what are the principles that they stand on? Coke, we hire first on values, then on intellectual capabilities. That's different than other places. We start with, what are their values, and do they display a sense of integrity, humility, things that will make them good teammates and players, right? I often joke like, it's a good thing they didn't hire only on intellectual capacity. I may not have made it. <laughs> but fortunately, they're starting at a place of saying, hey, who wants to be collaborative, right? Who wants to show a sense of authenticity, transparency? Then we look at how disruptive is the company and what's the transformative potential. We're not looking for companies that are incremental changes. We're looking for companies that are complete step changes. So looking at um, another company that we invested in called Desktop Metal, 3D metal prints parts, either on your desktop or in large kind of room machines. So places like Tiffany and Ford's and BMW, they don't need to have those parts on hand. They can print them in real time with various different materials. So how can we change the way of supply chain? How could we make things cheaper for the end user, right? You know, the idea of using 3D printing for spare parts makes so much sense because nobody's ever figured out how to manage spare parts because it's impossible to forecast the demand and because with spare parts you wind up having such a huge variety of possibilities and over time as new products as products are improved and new and redesigned they actually will create new parts that need to be sure. kept in inventory right and so one big question, especially in electronics, that has always been uh, a problem is how many spare parts should you do on the last run? Right. You know, and in some states there's laws that, you know, if you, after X number of years, if you don't have a spare part, then you have to replace the product. That's right. Well, and also think about printing parts that we couldn't have manufactured any other way. So what if the machines using artificial intelligence could help us build a part in a design that was couldn't be built any other way but could only be printed. It could have a certain 
amount of torque or precision or just a completely new imaginative way of designing that part. Hey, we couldn't manufacture it that way, but if we 3D print it, we could do it that way. So now we can redesign and start to create things that we couldn't do in the past. And so that unlocks a whole nother realm that we have just only begun to explore on kind of regenerative parts. You know, there's a number of companies, not, not a lot, but there's, there's a few companies like 3D Systems and Stratasys that have 3D printing capabilities currently. Mm -hmm. So how is this company more disruptive than existing 3D printing companies, or is it? Yeah, so I mean, there's a number of places out there that understand that this is a multi-trillion dollar market, right? And that I often can say that the worlds of atoms and bits, yeah. the physical items as well as the, you know, the computer world that we live in now, or the digital world, they're colliding. And this is a perfect example of colliding, of saying, hey, we're taking the physical world of what can we actually make, but we're also using innovative software and design to start working about how do we have these two worlds start to create things we've never done before. It's not going to be a winner-take-all. It's not going to be only desktop metal, our company wins. There's going to be multiple players in the space that are working, some on the software side, some on the hardware side. Some of them building entirely new models, like today, at my house or your house, are we going to be working with new next generation metal parts? No, because I can't afford a million dollar machine to put in my garage. But could you afford a machine if it was at 3000 or 5000 What would you create? The answer is we don't know yet, but we will start doing that. So that's a good point. Um, you can get into disruptive technologies where there's no competition, or you can get into disruptive technologies where there is a lot of competition. Um, and the good thing about going into markets where there is competition already is it shows there's a market. If you go into something that's completely new, yeah, it might be disruptive, but there may be no demand for it. Right. The, the demand might be way out in the future. Yeah, and we change as a culture on what we are willing to do and how we live our lives. So if I'd asked you 10 years ago, yeah, you're going to get in a stranger's car and they're going to take you someplace, you would have said, that's crazy. Yep. Or hey, you can rent out the bedroom of my house. You're like, who are these lunatics? But that's Uber and Airbnb, and that's just how we do things, right? So that didn't change the fact that we still got to stay somewhere. We still have to transport ourselves from A to B. But how we do it's changed, right? And so the next generation of entrepreneurs have to kind of figure out how to look around the corner. Like, how are people going to act? How is culture going to change? And I think that's a great criteria is, can you see the value creation mechanism, either today or in the future, of why a technology or process is truly disruptive? If you can, then that could be a company that could have significant impact. If you can't, it could be that it's just too early, or maybe that the real value creation or the economic exchange for that value creation isn't viable, and so that company may not may not make it, right? Now, what stage do you prefer for Coke disruptive technologies? We have a lot of flexibility, so we can write checks as small as kind of five to 10 million, or as big as a couple hundred million dollars per check. So we typically will look at a company as early as kind of pre-commercialization, so they got eyes towards the commercialized product all the way up into kind of a pre-IPO or later stage company. 
we're not as strong at the early stage, kind of the seed and idea stage. I think that's highly important, and I think there's lots of great university accelerators and incubators and places like Techstars and Plug and Play and other ones that do that well. Um, we don't do that quite as well. Now, in the future, maybe we will, but we often come in a little bit later, and that's partially because of what we discussed earlier is we can bring Coke's capabilities to bear and to help, and it's harder to help at the idea stage, right? They're still trying to, hey, what's our go-to-market strategy? What's our value creation? Once you're on that platform or moving that direction, we can often bring expertise to bear to help. I noticed that you were also involved as an advisor with Rise of the Rest Fund. Yeah, so I met Steve Case probably um, 10 or 15 years ago. When I was an entrepreneur, a young and dumb kid, one of my friends um, suggested that I meet with Steve, and he was kind enough to give me about an hour of his time. Um, and he didn't have to, but he was just, it was his way of giving back and really helping other entrepreneurs. And at the time I was living in Dallas, and so even before his Rise of the Rest theme of, hey, great entrepreneurs and companies can rise up anywhere, he was already practicing that. And I saw it firsthand because it was with me at the time. As I continued to grow and my companies grew and I moved over to Coke and he started to launch Rise of the Rest, I thought what a great opportunity for us to work alongside that. And since Coke is a Midwest company, you know, what better way to support the growing of ecosystems and new economies all over? Because people don't know is there's a lot of interesting things happening in Northwest Arkansas, in Indianapolis, in Kansas City, in Boulder, and all these other places where there's great entrepreneurs coming up with next generation companies. And we want to be part of that. Have you met uh, Ross Duvall? Oh, you did? Yeah. Good. Yeah, so Heartland Forward, you know, really has a focus on the heartland. Yeah. And so he's taking that expertise and bringing it here uh, to Northwest Arkansas, but applying it to the entire, you know, Heartland region. Yeah. Uh, which I think is really interesting and, and neat. So this year alone, something like 10 or 11,000 new millionaires will be minted in San Francisco because of IPOs. Wow. So what, what happens? If there's 10,000 new millionaires, they're all fighting for the same apartment space. And some, a lot of these people aren't from the Bay Area, but they've made good capital now. So what do they do? Well, some of them want to start families. Some of them don't want to pay $2 million for a few thousand square feet to live in. And so people are starting to go home. Well, home's all over the place. So talent and capital is starting to move to other areas. Well, that, that's incredible because what it's going to start to do is seed these other areas around the country and start to build other ecosystems. So what I think Steve Case is on to, and I think Brad Feld's a big supporter out of you know, Boulder as well, and the guys at High Alpha in Indianapolis, and a number of other great places are starting to see, how do we support that? We don't necessarily have to seed it. I think the seeding that's happening will encourage that. But how do we continue to support that with resources and capital and other great entrepreneurs that can mentor along the way? Um, we, you mentioned Israel. Um, we started a study abroad to Israel that's focused on startups. Mm -hmm. and there's that book called Startup Nation that really made yeah. that popular. Um, but since then, I've really noticed there's so many startups from Israel, and some of them are actually coming to North Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, but I, I saw quite a few of them at the Milken Institute conference, global conference in 2017. And one of our econ professors came up with the idea of start creating this kind of a 
study abroad, and the students loved it. It was fascinating to see how many startups there are in Israel. Yeah. Well, and some of it is because you're mandatory trained by the military. So everybody goes through this training. A lot of that training is cybersecurity, ag tech. When you live not far from people firing missiles at you, you it's, it's a defensive way and it's a forcing function of becoming good. If you don't have much land, you get good at trying to figure out how do we grow crops on not much land or land that potentially doesn't get the, the either type of sun or water, or whatever it needs, right? And so it's created this really vibrant ecosystem and it's compressed, so it's kept the talent close to one another so that it feeds on one another. Um, it's created a great ecosystem of entrepreneurs, a lot of them with a high level of technical talent. And guess what? They're also willing to take risks. Why? Because they live in an environment that they live where they're being, can potentially be attacked at any time. So they grow up in a high-risk environment. And so it, it just seeds a lot of the things that make entrepreneurs great and strong. And so you see a lot of good activity coming out of Israel. And it's one of the, you know, it's one of the great ecosystems of the world right now. It is. I think the agglomeration factor has a lot to do with it. Just the fact that you've got so many smart people close together. Yeah. You know. Um, and that's, I think that's true in, um, in Silicon Valley it as is. well. Um, and, and the other thing it seems like ecosystems really need is this ability for there to be a critical mass of firms to where if, you, if your company doesn't make it, you can go to another company and, right. and get involved. Yeah. Brad Feld is, was notorious for saying up in Boulder that if a company doesn't make it, the other companies would come together and I'll take them out to, to dinner, kind of celebrate them trying, hear their story. And then the other companies would come around and hire up all the talent into their other companies. Amazing. Well, if we all did that, right, we celebrated people that were trying to build something new. And if it didn't work, we learned from them. We took those learnings and poured it back into the ecosystem because those people are now scattered in other co companies. The chances of success go up, right? And it encourages people to take bigger leaps of faith on new technologies and businesses and processes that we all need. And so when those ecosystems grow, whether that's in Northwest Arkansas or Wichita, Kansas, um, I think great things can happen. Jason, thank you so much for taking time to visit with me about disruptive technologies and specifically Coke disruptive technologies. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic.